episode of Beyond the Blade. I am your co-host, Chad Didemenesis. And I'm your other co-host, Bill Shockey. And Chad, it's that time of year again. It is that time of the year. The season is over. The Sabres aren't picking first overall, or second for that matter. So it's argue about draft prospect season, is what it is. Until we get to, like, the end of May, middle of May, we start arguing about free agents and why Jeff Skinner hasn't signed and stuff like that. But right now, it's we're going to argue about. Can we stick to one fun thing at a time, please? <laughs> well, that's not, right now, it's <laughs> fighting over draft picks, but like in in the future, that's what it'll be. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. It's the last time we talked, what Halsey's gone, right? So that's mm-hmm. cool. All we need to like spend a lot of time on it. We everyone knows how we feel, and that kind of is what it is type deal. So. Right. Uh, quick move, quick action. Uh, Bottle, Bottle knew he wanted to make that move, so I respect it. I also respect him taking full responsibility for it, taking the owner and players off the hook. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Too. So that was that was good for him. Uh, yeah, it was, like you said, it was good for him to do it quickly. Just yeah, we still had somebody out there trying to say it was Eichel's fault, but uh, I think it was good on him to try to yeah, yeah, try to get out in front of that. Say it's on him. Even the Bagula said we it was Jason's idea. We believe in Jason, so. Good on him. It buys him a little time, but you better get this one right. I just realized so my audio might have disapproved there for a second. I suppose my mic wasn't on. So for the first three minutes here, my audio might not be as great, but now it's going to be good moving forward. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so the other thing is, besides before we get into the draft pick, is we have some quick coach news. All of a sudden, Housley's out. Uh, he's not even out the door yet, and there's rumors of Todd McClellan uh, possibly being the new head coach. So... I guess we're going to be on McClellan watch here. So our main focus here on this podcast is going to be a few things. Uh, we're going to talk about the draft lottery that happened tonight and some prospects and what the Sabres should do with that pick potentially. We're going to talk about the coach. And then maybe we'll get some playoff talk at the end here with that starting tomorrow. So 
like I said, let's kind of because you you did some research today, so I, I want to get right there. Paul, it's fresh in your mind, and I've been looking at these guys for a while now. So let's start with the with the prospects in the draft. So the Sabres are going to pick seventh overall. Uh, they drop back two spots from five to seven. Chicago moves from twelve to three. I mean, every year it, it's that team that like jumps. Like wasn't it like Philadelphia? Then like, here someone jumps from the way back. So this year it was Chicago. Chicago. Of course it was Chicago. At least they didn't get first <laughs> overall because I was. Once. Right, right. I mean, it's. I was afraid they were going to go to one. I'm like, oh, good. Patrick Kane leaves. They get Jack Hughes. Yay. How good for Chicago. Like, let's be <laughs> nice. Let's yeah, all so, throw a party. Yeah. yeah. So they end up third. The Rangers end up second. They're going to get probably Capo Caco, which is really good That's for them, nice. I guess. And then Taylor Hall gets his new line mate in uh, Jack Hughes, very likely a first <laughs> overall for the New Jersey Devils. So good for those teams. I guess quickly before we get into the Sabers, uh, this was best case scenario for Ottawa, huh? I guess it kind of kind of works out here for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, <laughs> I, I think it was more fun when Colorado wasn't in the playoffs and the dreams of them picking like one two or something like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, that would have been pretty wild. But uh, no, yeah, I think it worked out uh, as you said, best case scenario for Ottawa, considering they really screwed that one up, huh? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yes. Either way, you're getting up a fourth overall pick and. You know, Brady to Chuck turned out to be a good player. So I was gonna say not to get ahead of ourselves, but uh, they might get lucky, especially if Colorado goes and takes the Russian. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that that double double lucky. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, all right, Sabres are picking seventh. So logically, since they didn't win the lottery, uh, the immediate thing they do should do is look to trade that pick, right? Mm, that's what I saw on Twitter from a lot of people. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to snack or anything. It's just I just. I guess I'll quickly give my analogy to talk. I just think you have two first round picks right now. If you're going to trade any of the first round picks, you're going to trade your second half, your, your later pick. And here's why. In this draft, there's it's really broken down into two things we've talked about a lot. There's your one, two. That's your first tier. And then there's a gap. And then there's your players from three to about ten. And they're all pretty good in that range. Uh, to varying degrees, kind of what you want, what you're looking for. So you're going to get a good player still. For about 10, 11, 12-ish, I would say about 10 to 15 is your next kind of little mini gap there. Then from 15 on, it it's a coin flip. Like, there's just, it's whatever you can get in that first round, a lot of different varying opinions. So I understand people are, are frustrated and they want to start winning now and not another pick right to wait two or three years for. But you, you have to remember a few things. And I swear I'm not going to be longer than you could talk. They don't have a second-round pick this year. They don't have a fourth-round pick this this year. They don't have a third-round pick next year. So you're going to trade your seventh overall pick, which is going to probably get you a high-end forward, which, by the way, you don't even have in your system. The next back's forward. The, the two top forwards in your system are Casey Middlestad and Victor Olofsson. And maybe you shouldn't count because Olofsson's 24 and Middlestad is here. So really, like, like you don't have any scoring forwards. I mean, Picard is not going to light the lamp. Marcus Davidson is not going to light the lamp for you. And then you have a bajillion defensemen that the GM drafted last year. So, I mean, you need that high-end forward. I understand you might have to wait two or three years for him. Whatever, fine. That's the way, that's the way it is. Because then when you pay Darlene a whole bunch of money in two years, you're yep. going to have that player who's going to come in an entry-level deal and be able to produce at a low cost and help your team that at that point hopefully is ready to go make a run and be a competitive team. So it's, I, I just, if you want to trade the second first round pick, by all means, I'm all aboard. 
I just, from looking at these prospects, understanding what they are, from looking at the futures they have with the draft picks that they really don't have a lot over the next few years, they've a lot they've been traded, especially for the Skinner deal. I, I just, I, I'm not really in any way, shape, or form entertaining that idea. Because I mean, what do you, I don't know, what are you, what are you going to do? Go trade for like a Kevin Hayes type player? I mean, I can just go get him for free in free agency, right? Or if I can just go right. sign Matthew Shane if I really wanted to for free in free agency. Why do I got to trade for Matthew Shane and I can just go sign him for free? You know what I'm saying? Sure do. Yeah. No, I mean, pretty much what you talked about is, is, is spot on with the drop-off past, you know, 15. And, and just over the years, the, the relative value per pick, it's just, you know, you got the top three are really high. And then, like, four kind of is a big drop. And then it kind of just continuously drops from there. Um, so if you're anywhere in that, you know, top 10 range, you should be, you know, keeping that pick and, and taking it. And obviously, yes, there's always going to be people that don't work out, but, but for the most part, especially in the NHL draft, it's, it's more of a, the top of the draft is where you go get guys that are going to change the, or help change the future of your team. Whereas I agree with you that, that if you're going to move a pick, it should be that later second. But even thinking about kind of Botro's plan as a whole, because remember now, if he's getting a second coach, you, I even said on the last podcast you were on, um, I think it was Moranalytics, that he's, he probably has two years now. So yep. he's going to be able to see out the plan that he's trying to develop here. And that plan is trying to win now, which I know we didn't see this year, but also remembering that you got to fill that cupboard and have those guys you know, in the background basically ready to go in the next couple of years for when, like you said, you have to start paying your higher guys your Reinhardt's going to get paid, Middlestad, um, Darlene. So I, I really think that you you definitely make the pick here at seven. Um, and then, like you said, depending on how the board falls, depending on how you're feeling with that later pick, if you're going to move a pick for somebody else, it's going to be that later one. Um, and I, I think there's going to be guys here that you might not have to wait too long. I, I mean, it, it all depends. It all depends on how how he's going to want to do this uh, with development. I know we've seen some guys just get thrown into the NHL and then other guys kind of get overcooked. So um, I think it'll be really interesting. I think he's going to want to, it's a tough balance and it's going to be interesting to see how he, how he balances that, you know, right. With the, the developing, but at the same time trying to win where, whereas you said you can, you can make these picks and you can fill that cover back up and then you go move a guy like Arista line and you move that late first round pick, you go, you know, dip your toe. Remember, I was talking about last week. We you go dip your toe in free agency this year, because that's how you make the team in the bottom six better this year. Yep. And then, if you're keeping the picks that you currently have, and you actually make those picks, that's how you're replenishing the cover, but at the same time, overturning the NHL roster to make them better for this coming season. Yeah. No, I mean, I think we're kind of on the same page here, and you know, really, this is a this draft is is right up Jason Botterill's alley. I mean, he he loves to pick the U.S. development, USHL, college-bound kids. I mean, there's, looking at it now, I mean, if you count Jack Hughes and go first of all, there's one, two, three, four, and maybe five, depending how you feel about Cole Caulfield, that can go on the top ten from the U.S. development program. There's, like I said, there's Jack Hughes, there's Matthew Boldy, there's Alex Turcotte, who I think right now is my favorite, and then Trevor Zagres, who is another solid center-slash-winger. But, I mean, it's it's right up there. I mean, not to mention, you're going to have your one, two, three, four Canadian junior kids. You're going to have Doc, Cousins, 
uh, the defense in By uh, Byram, who is a really nice offensive defenseman, and Peyton Krebs, uh, all from the Western Hockey League. So, I mean, there's there's players there. Those are all really good players. The only one that scares me is Vasily Podkolzin. That, that may be the one I would stay away from, and that's... There's some contract stuff there. There's, I mean, he's the kid has a lot of talent. I just, I, I don't know. I, I feel like he's not really producing that well, you know, in in the second tier league in the KHL. I mean, I, he's only still young, and I, I get that. He had a really good real junior, but I don't know. He just scares me. I, I better say, I, I don't, I don't think Bottle would pick him anyways. It's just to seem like a type of player, but, right. uh, but yeah, I mean, there's so many. I mean, again, it, it's those players, those forwards I mentioned: center, center, left wing, center, center center winger i mean it's just like you know i mean it's it's what you need you need another yep. center in this system and surely your next best center is rasmus Asplund. And he's not going to give you anything uh I, I think davidson while he plays center now maybe transfers over as a winger at the nhl level and then you have middle stat and that's it at center in your system you have nothing else nothing so i just while you can i think while you could want them to trade this pick all you want realistically it just it's just not it just it doesn't make any sense to do it not even a little think, bit of sense i think it goes back to the point we were talking about before they even made the montour trade is Mur- murray did it wrong in that he kind of gave up everything whereas right. like, it, trading that now would be doing that so again it, it could work because if you trade for a, you know the trade the seventh pick and and you go get somebody and and the team he, he, that person or player helps the team enough to make them better. Obviously, it could work, but to Murray's point, and I think this is where you do have to remember the past. If you miss on that, you are not only screwed now, you're screwed for the future. Yeah, so that's you, why I you're think, worldly screwed for the future. Right. So that's why I think he, he definitely keeps... Yeah, honestly, I probably think he, he probably keeps both. Um, and he probably takes both... And then he, you, you use your your wrist alignment chip to go get somebody, and then free agency to overflip that that bottom six. Yeah, because like we even talked about you can't. There's still a lot of guys. You're gonna have to do a lot of moving to yeah, try and, and really overhaul this roster. Yeah, and looking at it now, so they have two first round picks, no second, a third. Uh, actually, do have a fourth round pick this year. They have San Jose's fourth, unless they push the deck this year, which I don't think they're going to do that. But still, it's a late fourth round pick. Uh, no fifth, three sixth round picks, and a seventh. And then next year, you have a first, a second, no third, and then no sixth. So, you know, it's. I guess I forgot they had that San Jose fourth, so that gives them another pick. But still, it's. I don't know. I, I don't. It's hard to get a feel what you can do with that second pick, because the second first round pick. We're. I don't think it's. I don't want to say it's not, any conversations worth having, but I just think realistically, in a real world, the seventh overall pick isn't going anywhere. But right. I, the second pick is interesting. It's does he want to build up his system? That if you look at it, maybe it's not. Again, it's not that deep at forward defense. You're probably pretty deep. I you know you have Samuelson, you have Laxon incoming. Uh, Bryson looks like a nice piece. Uh, a couple of the guys they drafted last year, you know, later rounds, they look like nice pieces to start early. I mean, so you still even have guys like Borgen that aren't even right, up here Borgen yet. Borgen is still here, yeah. I mean, if you want a Hickey, he's still here. So, you know, there, there's some young defensemen that are around in here. And, you know, don't forget Darlene's only 18, too. So, you have young defensemen. So, it's... Oh, we haven't. We have not <laughs> forgotten. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I don't... It, it's hard for me to really think what they they should what he's going to do with that second first round pick it's it's tough because it's really it's just it's such a 
after that 15, 15 to 20 mark, it really is just an open free for all in a way, you know? So it's, it gets interesting. And it depends what pick you get too. Is it going to be the St. Louis pick or is it going to be the San Jose pick? I, I forgot. I don't have it in front of me where St. Louis picked. They made it into that range. I think where Anaheim can take that pick. So really you might be stuck with the St. San Jose pick. It's even later, right? So it's, I don't know. It's that that second pick. That second pick is the one I'll, I'll have a conversation about trading because I think yeah, I, with the prospect level agree. at that spot, it, it might be worth it, and you know, see if that can get you something. We're a team that's really stuck with salary cap. You know, while they they may understand themselves, there's not a lot they can get at 28. That's going to be high end. Uh, I mean, again, maybe everybody has their guy. Maybe there is a guy I think they can get high right. end, but you know, maybe they'll take that first round pick and a guy or another piece or whatever and you know and then you can get your high-end player that way so it's yeah i mean there's a lot of i mean yes it's 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 doing your due diligence at that point i I think it's you're not moving that pick until you're getting to the draft and right um and i think leading up to that then you're going to have your list of guys that potentially you would take there I, i think there's there's realistically i mean there's three things you can do you can you can take the pick you can trade the pick, or you can even, since you don't have a second rounder, if you really want to replenish the cover, trade back um, and maybe pick up like two seconds, depending uh-huh. on you know how, how other people feel about the people later in the fir- or the players later in the first round. So I, I wouldn't expect necessarily the latter of those three, but I, I do think that it's kind of what is the best value for your team based on how the draft board falls and how your scouts see the players that are left. Um, if there's, you know, <clears throat> like I said, depending on what the trades are that are available, and of course we won't know that, um, like, can you get, I mean, like you said, your second line center for that pick and something small, then probably you do it depending on, unless, like you said, you have, uh, not to bring up <laughs> old scars, but a debrinket sitting there, mm-hmm. uh, waiting to be taken. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. I think it'll be really interesting. I think, to your point, that's the one that is the flex pick. Uh, he can kind of go with whatever he wants. I mean, they're, they're, the, the crazy thing is, depending on how much, I assume, like you said, surgically wants to overhaul this team. I mean, if you're making big, big changes, that late first-round pick and wrist aligner are kind of it. Um, so I guess how much can you get for those to actually overhaul this team? And then what do you really feel like you can do in free agency uh, to help the bottom six? Because other than that, I don't know. It becomes tough. It definitely becomes tough. It, it you gets, gotta hit. Yeah. I mean, it gets to. I mean, the way I guess the way to put it is, it gets to what is the. I mean, the overall plan actually obviously is to be better and contend for a playoff spot. But if knowing you have probably two years with this ownership allowing you to make another move for the coach. Um, do you have to go all in, push all your chips in the middle to be a playoff team next year? I'm not sure you do. You know, we, we've talked about him. that. We talked about that 2020 plan for what a year and a half now. So I mean, if, if mm-hmm. that's the summer he really wants to go, and then maybe that's the season where this kid you draft now, or I think a guy like an Alex Turcotte, if you get him, can go to Wisconsin for one year, and then I think next the season after that, I think can step into your lineup. Maybe he can be your third line center if Middlestead. Like middle right. Yeah. So. Or even he can come in and be, I don't know, can he maybe he start at wing? I mean, if you sign a center, maybe he comes in and he can play wing to start. I was going to say, right? I, could, I would expect one of them to. Right. I mean, you, you there's it gives you options. So, you know, I, I don't think, you know, quickly to get back to it, I don't think people should be, you know, looking at 
this guy you're going to get at seven, I don't think he was like, oh, great, I won't see him for three to four years. I don't think so. I think you're going to see him probably a year at two at most, but most likely a year. I mean, that's how it works now with these kids. These kids draft in the top ten, go to school for a year, and they come out. I mean, that's mostly the way it works. I mean, look back at last year's draft. I mean, a lot of these kids that went to college the year before that, they, they went for a year, and they're coming out now. I mean, everybody left Boston University this summer, right? So, like, <laughs> or the spring yeah. when the season ended, so... You're going to see a lot of. I think Cal McCarr is maybe one of the rare situations where he went back for a sophomore year. I think that's because he struggled as a freshman, so they sent him back. And now look what he's doing. You know, he's one of the best players in college hockey, and maybe he'll join Colorado and help them in the playoff run. So I just, I guess I can't be adamant enough how against him trading that pick, but I really, I got to move past it. I got I to gotta get away from it because it just. <laughs> well, I'm honestly, stuck on it. Yeah, I mean, he, hearing you say what you just said is depressing, but I think at the same time, looking at it objectively, you're probably right. That being, they have to be better this year, but they don't have to, in, in, in Bottrell's minds, they probably don't have to, like you said, go all in. So I can right. definitely see him methodically making sure the team is better to a degree, and then, like you said, 2020 then is go. Um, unfortunately, what that sounds like to me is what we thought this year should have been, where you're close or you're in, uh, last one in, so they can get that experience and be kind of ready to go. Uh, but kind of maybe that's what he's looking at for 2019, where move risk lining out, maybe trade that first round pick. Uh, that gets you probably a top six winger and a top six center. Overhaul the def- or the bottom six in free agency uh, with some smart signings. Um, and then from that, just kind of hope with the new coach that you can get into that high 80 range, low 90, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And then 2020. It's, I mean, it's all or nothing. It's your job or make the playoffs, pretty much. Right, so so before we get into the piece that, I guess, is going to be very important moving into next season, that's the head coach, uh, are there, I mean, because you did some research, so I don't want to you know, not talk about it. Are sure. there any players that kind of jump out at you? Look, I mean, a lot of people know my thing. Turcotte, I'm really high on him. I like Zagres. I think he's going to be nice. Uh, I was on Kirby Doc early. He's kind of cooled a little bit for me. Uh, I kind of honestly have Dylan Cousins ahead of him if I'm ranking it. And I think Cole Caulfield is a guy who's a smaller guy. Uh, he, he He's like my Alex Debrinka this year, I guess you could say. Where I'm, <laughs> we're in a way, like if – because some teams – it's weird because some teams have him as a top 10 pick. Because uh, Corey Prondon was saying this during his athletic uh, thing he had, his Q&A he had today, where some teams – he said some teams have him as a top 10 pick, some teams have him as a not as a first-round pick. So really you can kind of like – if somehow some way he starts to slide into the 20s, I'd maybe consider trading up for him. But, the three sites I have, 26, 16, and 26. So, yeah, he's all over the place. Right. So it's if he starts to hit those 20s, I would consider trading up for him. But, you know, I'm not spending a lot of time on that right now. We'll see how that goes. But, he's again, he's another uh, smaller guy, but he scores like crazy on that team. So, you know, like I said, he's like the Alex DeBrink hit this year for me. So right, those watched, are my guys. So I watched some video before. Where you got on the podcast, and I guess I'll give you my cliff notes, and then you can tell me if you agree, saw the same thing, or if I'm way off base. Sound okay. Good. All right, so I got the six forwards, basically. Cousins, Boldly, Turcotte, Zer- Zegras, Krebs, and Doc. Uh, I guess I'll start with the Americans. So Turcotte, I have, <clears throat> loves carrying the puck, 200-foot game, skating's very good, Carrying the, he loves to carry the play, pass first guy, needs to work on his shot, question mark, faster, Reinhardt. 
that sounds about right. I mean, I, I think his two-way game is really, I think, the thing. Uh, okay. He has that really nice two-way. There's some people who said maybe he can be like a Patrice Bergeron. You know, he can mm. give you that offensive ability. Price. But his two-game, his two-way game is so impressive that not only can he score like Bergeron does, but he can also be your shutdown center too. So I, I've heard some people compare him to maybe a Bergeron in the future. So you think if uh, <laughs> Bacho gets turkey out at seven, he turns around and says, uh, that's how he won the O'Reilly deal? I got a younger O'Reilly. <laughs> I mean, you could, right? I mean, <laughs> that was his plan all along, right? That's what he could yeah. say. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he had his magic eight ball out, and uh, that's yeah, exactly. what his plan was the entire exactly. time. Uh, so Zegris, I've got good in transition, six foot. I actually thought he was bigger uh, than six foot because I put he knows how to use his body to protect the puck. He plays very big. good stick handling. He plays very. He, he does play big. So yeah, uh, actually, I actually watched the video and then went back and looked at his size, and I was surprised he was only six foot. And then Boldy's the other one. I mean, he was kind of the one that didn't impress me the most. The most out of the three, I just, I had he was he's a good playmaker, uh, but other than that, there was really nothing flashy that I saw. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's he's a left winger, which I think is not the biggest need for this team, to be honest. Uh, he has some high-end skill. Right, exactly. He has some high-end skills for sure. I mean, he's got 30 goals in 55 games for the U.S. Development Program, 69 points in 59 games. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> he's you know he's a good player. I don't really have a problem. I wouldn't be mad if he's the pick at seven. Right. Uh, but I, I think you have other needs over a left winger. I guess I'll put it that way. All right, let's go up north. I guess I'll start with, uh, I'll go my best Pierre Maguire. <laughs> go Peyton Krebs, Kootenay Ice, old uh, Sam Reinhardt stomping grounds. <laughs> uh, I just said he had a good shot to score, um, playmaker ability. He's only 5'11". I think he was the one out of the three that was least impressive. But, I mean, he did have some, Yeah. I think his first three goals I saw were, they were snipes. They were pretty nice. Yeah, I, I think for me, I think, like you said, of, of the three, Doc, Cousins, and Krabs, I, th- I think he's third on my list. All right. Uh, Cousins, I just have he's your uh, goal scorer. He's a good yep. shot. Goal scorer. Uh, if he has a breakaway, he's going high on the forehand. <laughs> 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 but he's big, too. 6'3", 180. Uh, so I don't think that would be too bad. And then last but not least, Doc, Kirby Doc. He uh, he's a big boy, six four, two hundred. Good hands, good shot. Uh, he's kind of. I just he reminds me of what we hope Tage Thompson can be, if that makes sense. Right. Um, I, I think he he shows a little more skill. I think he knows to use it a little better. Um, but yeah, when he when he gets in the right spot, uh, he can pick a corner and he can you know find the spots to to score. Um, so I, I kind of liked what I saw to him. I. I I know you said he kind of fell off the a little bit at the end, but uh, I think he was the one that excited me watching the highlights. Yeah, it, there was a goal he had. Yeah, here, look at it right now. Uh, he went end-to-end between the legs uh, yep, in the yep. playoff game. Uh, that was the other day. It was actually yesterday. Uh, so, yeah, he has he has the skill. I mean, like I said, I, I liked him a lot to start the season. Uh, he kind of, I guess you could say, had a – a rough middle portion of the season, and then he maybe kind of picked it up at the end a little bit. He's having a good playoff now um, for the Blades, so it's – I don't know. We'll see. You know, I, I just – the whole thing with these Canadian kids, I, I told you before the podcast started, is I've honestly admittedly <laughs> focused on these U.S. development kids because, you know, Bottle hasn't grabbed a Canadian junior player in two years. While this could be different because it's a high first-round pick, and he said his whole thing was about 
you know, picking them late and only having two years of control over them, which I understand. Uh, maybe that changes, but still, I'm in kind of the boat of, I'll believe that he actually does that when he does it. But by the time the draft rolls around, I'll do my due diligence on those three Canadian kids. But right now, I primarily focus on the U.S. development kids. Yeah, I, I guess I kind of, uh, <clears throat> to round it out for me, it's the interesting, fun thing, unless uh, as listeners or we start to kind of get our guys uh, that we want at seven, I think it could be a very fun draft. Because even just looking at the three sites I was looking at, once you get past like the top three, it is all over the place. Uh-huh. I mean, the t- I'll say four through ten are all the same guys, but I don't think any of them are in the same order no. on any of the sites. It all depends. It all depends on need. It depends how you think about the player. Yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be fun. It, it's gonna remind it reminds me a little bit of that draft. I think it's the middle set draft. I remember watching with you and we're like, all right, after you got the the first three, four, then it's a it's a free for all, right? It, it's who anybody can go anywhere type thing, and those. You know, for a guy like me who gets into this draft stuff, that's kind of exciting and fun to watch how the drama unfolds there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I told you for the podcast right now, I was texting you before we started, is I would have loved, you know, to pick one or two. That would have been awesome. But uh, personally, I, I enjoy looking at these prospects, these kids, so it gives me something to spend my time doing here over the next two months of nothing happening basically with the Sabres and uh, it'll, give me, it'll give me something to do to study all these kids instead of just, Oh yeah, they're going to pick Jack Hughes. He's good. Yep. Yep. Jack Hughes is good. Yeah. He's good. So, <laughs> so it'll be, it'll be, at least it'll be different and fun for me this year. Yeah, that's true. I mean, last year it was just how many highlights of Dowling can we find? Right. Exactly. Um, exactly. <laughs> where this year it's going to be more of uh we got about six guys to look at and um, which one do we want to take? So it'll be fun. But yeah, I mean, even just doing this uh, quick, quickly today, I, I think it was um, pretty fun getting back to the the scouting where we we did quite a bit of stuff the last two years. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I uh, that's right. I, I guess that's where I started. You know, that's where I, I I have that scouting internship in my background. And that's kind of maybe that's why I enjoy it so much because getting back to that, you know, that that's kind of what really started me down this path. And then I started writing and podcasting and doing analytics and not that much scouting and now this gives me a chance to get back into it so i guess that's kind of the, i guess that's kind of why i enjoy it it's a circle exactly, exactly. <laughs> the sabers always make it a circle that's for sure <laughs> uh all right so moving on we talked about the prospects for a half hour let's get in to some more good stuff here so i'm gonna let you go first here because a lot of people know my opinion on this coaching search <sighs> uh, we've heard names like elaine Vigneault, which is <clears throat> frightening uh, we've have Todd McClellan as a 50, 50 shot, basically between LA and Buffalo. And we've heard they reached out to Quinville, but was told no. And then Florida signed him and scooped him up pretty quickly. So it looks like Bottero's plan was to focus on veteran head coaches, sure does. which okay. I don't necessarily agree with. <laughs> no, I, I think you should have opened your windows to all options, including maybe, then again, maybe he is, and we just don't know. I'm not going to say that he's not. That's but the, the way it looks right now, uh, that's his focus is on veteran head coaches. And I, I think Chris Taylor is still in this if uh, McClellan does go to L.A. So I don't want to discount him yet. But, you know, I, I, again, I, if, if I was me, I was doing it. And, again, I'm not saying he's not because I don't know. Maybe he's looking at all options. But outside looking, it looks like his focus is on a veteran coach. So kind of what are your thoughts on that? I will say it was kind of interesting and weird that he kind of started the Housley press conference with saying that this, the search has already started. 
<laughs> as in like it felt like it had been going on for a little while now mm-hmm. uh, so to your point i guess that kind of makes sense um that maybe he is doing more but it, it definitely seems like from what was rumored out immediately that like they wanted Q and they now they're in with McClellan and Vigneault's been linked to them too. It definitely seems like they're going the veteran route. I think kind of the way that we have been going about the search, we've kind of get, been getting excited about the, the new and up and comer and, you know, somebody that might take uh, the analytical side a little more seriously, or at least have it help them prepare uh, in the, you know, game to game planning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's disappointing from that standpoint because, um, of course, <laughs> the first thing I saw once McClellan was linked to us uh, was an article from 2006 that basically said the best analytics are my eyeballs. <laughs> right, um, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. I heard 2016, that. but yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, people can grow. Uh, I think it doesn't necessarily mean you have to write him off. Um, right. and, and again, I remember he think, was his GM was like the most anti-analytics guy in the world too. So I don't think it should be discounted. That is, yeah, that's true as well. So, I, I mean, I would, I'll say it this way, I guess. Um, if we're going the veteran route, I think I want, definitely want McClellan over Vigneault. I agree um, with that 100%. If, so if Vigneault's the guy I'm going to get in front of McClellan, I want McClellan by a mile. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and so, I, I mean, I remember, what was it, pre, pre-hiring Bilesma, right? Yeah. McClellan yep. was available. Uh, I think. What? Did he go the same year? When did Biles must start with the Sabres? Was it 16? It was 15, 16, right? There was definitely a year where I kind of wanted McClellan. So I, it, I think it was 15. Because he's been be, in yeah. Edmonton for four years. So that makes sense. Biles was here for two years and two years at Housley. So yeah, I think that was the there same, that was the same so, year. So, so yeah, I would say I, I think I, I was kind of hoping or I was wanting him as a candidate back then. So I, I guess I shouldn't necessarily change it. I mean, let's be honest. He had a good roster in San Jose. Yeah. Um, right. But I mean, he's had some good five and five numbers. Um, so I, I mean, it's what they need to work on. So I, I, I kind of, I'll put it this way. The way you and I talked prior to this was <laughs> everyone was kind of with the coaches that were available pre Housley getting hired. We were excited about Housley coming in the way he talked, um, the way the first couple of practices went, we were all excited and we thought it was the right, obviously higher. Um, so until I start having to see articles about how Larry pilot is our second best defenseman and he's playing eight minutes a night, I guess <laughs> I won't freak out yet. <laughs> but, uh, I think there's, there's, I mean, there's been some good and there's been some concerning for me with, uh, like if you get in his doghouse, you can't get out of it. Um, yeah. I could see Tage Thompson like never seeing the ice ever again. Mm. Um, I'm, I just, I'm not sure that'd be a bad thing, slur or not. So I can't really comment. On that. <laughs> no, no, I know, but I mean, just like I get what you're saying, though. It, it could be anybody. It could be Reinhardt. It could be Middlestat, right? It could be anybody. Right, right. And then, yeah, if Pilot makes you know two mistakes, and right, right. am I seeing this year Scandella playing for the entire game? Or I will say, if they're going to get McCollum, they need to shoot Scandella and uh, Ristolainen and Saboka to the moon. Don't. Give McClellan those guys. Don't. Just, See, please don't. But I'll be honest with you. You even saying that scares the crap out of me. Like, as a GM, if I'm hiring the coach, I shouldn't have to. I mean, it's good that, like, I should be actively trying to do that. But I shouldn't be worried that if I leave these guys on the roster, my coach is going to use them improperly. Well, why the hell am I hiring that coach? No, I, I agree there. And that's why McClellan's not the top of my list. So I, but I'm I know, saying, I know. you know, if, if he's going to be your hire, you have to do it. So, I mean, I get it. 
Bottrell's a new GM. The new coach didn't work, so the safe route is to go veteran, which, of course, like we've talked about, isn't necessarily the right move. It feels see you in two years again, E, which scares me. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I mean, fingers crossed. It, like I said, it could be worse. It might be worse uh, tomorrow. Actually, the last report we saw was what? Uh, he actually came in a day early. He He's came in, in Buffalo today, right? right now, yeah. So they, they said, McKenzie said expects a decision within 24 hours, so. I think he's. Go. I think if he's in Buffalo, he's not gonna be like, okay, that was cool, peace out, guys. I'm going to L.A. I mean, that's just that's just my read of the situation. But well, he had to be here anyways. Right. It's I mean, yeah, he is here to playing. watch his son play. Yeah, but I guess you're right. That's true. So, but I, I kind of I know what you mean too. It, like, unless something totally doesn't feel right, why would you leave the city? Like, just sign the contract and stay and have the presser. Right, and then watch your kid play in the Frozen Four. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. So. No, it, it's it's interesting. I'm su- I'm very very surprised at how fast it went. Me too. Uh, I kind of expected Botterill to take his time with this. Yep. Uh, and make sure he got it right, especially with the other candidates that we talked about that were available. But again, most of them were all, you know, assistants or first year coaches or AHL coaches. So I guess if that's what he wanted, go get your guy. I just hope it's the right one. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll. I'll, I'll say this quickly to kind of get my two cents and then kind of give you some numbers I have here, which I, f- I found were interesting. And I was kind of, you know, passing some time here before the draft lottery. You know, it, it's, again, it's not the way I would have went about it. Uh, McCullen is by no means the top of my list. Uh, actually, it wasn't really even any con- lot of consideration for me. I didn't know if, you know, he'd be for the Sabres, but apparently he is. So in if, if it's between McCullen and Vigna, like I've said, I, I think I want McClellan by a lot. I don't think I want any, I want any business of Vino at all. So, you know, I guess that would be the easy option there. So it's it, it's not a move for me that's going to inspire a lot of excitement. I guess you could say it's it's not the glorious move that the move. Oh, we got the young guy. You could do this, this, and this. Maybe it's you know it's you kind of know what you're getting here. You're going to get a, a coach that has some experience with winning. Uh, he's led two franchises to the playoffs. He's never had playoff success. Um, you know, a little bit in Edmonton, but not really a lot in San Jose. So, you know, I mean, I guess you're going to get a guy that maybe can get you to the playoffs. We're in this town. That's great, right? I mean, it's, you know, so that, that's that's an improvement that's good. It's, uh, at the same time as I say, it's not the glorious thing. I don't think it's also burned down the city bad either, right? You know what I mean? Right. It, yeah. It, it, it could be worse. Uh, I think it's a. Okay, from Bottrell's standpoint, it's a safe hire. Yeah, let's see some games before we burn <laughs> Key Bank Center to the ground. Right, it, it, it does this for me. It's if it's it I guess the best way to put it is I'm gonna it, if if this is indeed the hire, I'm gonna go okay, fine, whatever. But this is this is on, it's on Bottrell now. Now it's on Bottrell. I don't care who your coach is. Realistically, you have to get him a roster. So if this is the hire you're gonna make, okay, fine. You, this is this is your last swing at it. This mm-hmm. is the coach you got. You're gonna you hitch his wagon to him, and you better go improve that roster because you better get in the roster he needs to play the style he wants, and that you know that is what it is. So, yeah, I mean it's look at I me mean, again. I, I think since I first heard about it to kind of where it is now, there's some more optimism for me. I guess you could say. Um, you know, I talked to some people yesterday. I tweeted out some quotes. There's, you know, there is a mixed bag of good and bad. Uh, I mean, there's, I mean, there's a lot of coaches you're going to get that 
rely on veterans, but I think I think that's kind of what a lot of that's what most coaches do. They rely on their veterans over rookies. So you can't put a lot into that. I mean, there were some people who said underachievers. Some people said he kind of mixes his lines a lot. Uh, but there's also some people who told me that he developed some of these some younger players. Uh, there's also some people who told me that he had a hard time developing younger players. So I guess it's kind of it's, it's kind of a mixed, mixed bag, bag of really how it, it really went. So it's I don't know. It's tough. But anyways, getting past all that, looking at some analytical stuff I looked at quickly while I was getting ready for the lottery, some things jumped out at me, and that's in terms of his the offense and the teams he's ran. Now, admittedly, San Jose had a good roster, and he had McDavid and Drysaddle in Edmonton. Nonetheless, let me run these numbers at you. So their expected goes for per sixty. So and this is all from evolving evolving hockey. So mm-hmm. two thousand thirteen fourteen with San Jose, they were first. His team was first. Expected goals per 60 at 2.71. In 14-15, they were 6th, 2.41. 15-16, they were 13th at 2.33. That's first year in Edmonton. Second year in Edmonton, they were 3rd, 2.6. His not his 17-18 season, uh, they were 1st at 2.73. Now, his Fenwick chances for, because that's all that uh, Evolving Hockey had in terms of shot attempts, uh, 13-14, his team was first. 14-15, they were sixth. 15-16, this were in the Edmonton years now. 19th, 16-17, 13th, 17-18, 10th. So pretty much every single year, his teams are in the top half of shot attempts, four, and expected goal for differential. Or not differential, but just expected goals for opportunities. So what that tells me is he has a system that, while you have to understand the sure he had good players on his team too, but... This at least puts evidence that he has a system that focuses on getting scoring opportunities offensively and getting quality scoring opportunities offensively, which is something this team has not done in what two or three years now, right? Right. So yeah, I mean, like, like you know, he's. I don't think he's gonna be the most analytical guy in the world, and you know that is what it is. You guess you can't really expect to get that from every single coach, and whatever. You know, I'm not gonna whine and complain about it, and I, I think the GM respects it enough, and. Hopefully, if McCullough's the guy, that he appreciates it in a way and uses it to make some decisions, and we can hope for that. But I guess we'll kind of see how it plays out. So, honestly, real quick, just like yeah. even even just like worst, absolute worst case scenario, all you would hope would it be they had an open mind enough that if they come in, have a system, whatever they want to do, they're doing it, and then they get to that point in the season where just whatever they're doing is not working, kind of like Housley, like just take a peek. And just like go look and say, you know, like, all right, analytic department, if you exist in the broom closet at Quebec Center, <laughs> like, what do you guys think that could help, you know, change things? And like, even just having that conversation, I'll unfortunately, as sad as it sounds, like settle for that at this point. But yeah, who knows if that'll even happen? Sure didn't happen this time around. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it just, I guess the way I'll kind of wrap it up here in. Personally, for me, it's like I know anything or anything, but I, I think McCullough's going to end up being a coach, if I'm being honest. I know Dennis had the tweet that he thinks he's going to end up in L.A., and Dennis Dennis is plugged in with L.A., but uh, I don't know. Just, the other stuff. just my gut tells me like that, that this is going to end up being the hire, to be honest. So it's. You think if he wasn't doing Buffalo, he would have just waited till tomorrow when he's supposed to fly out anyways? Uh... The extra day is interesting, unless he just didn't want to take away from his son kind of thing. Yeah, it's interesting because 
Yeah, I mean, tomorrow they're, they, you know... I mean, a big press conference would do that anyways, right? Well, the thing is, you really... I'm not sure you can... If Even if you hire him tomorrow, you can't have a press conference there. Uh, you, they basically handed that building over to uh, the NCAA. Tomorrow they're making the teams available to the media from like 12 to 4. And then Thursday the game... I guess you can do a Friday because the Hobie Baker ceremony will be over at Harbor Center. So I guess if you're going to have a... You know what introduction press conference would be Friday because Thursday's going to be the first game and or the first two games I should say, but Friday a lot of the people will be at uh, KeyBank Center or I'm sorry at Harbor Center. Yeah, so yeah, so I don't know. We'll see this plays out. We'll see. <laughs> Just have it on the grass lot underneath the skyway. Pretty <laughs> much at this point, pretty much. I mean, what, what do you? Why not? You know, it'll be maybe it'll be nice and whatever. I don't know. Who cares? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is at this point. So, I don't know. I mean, it, it it's it's the off season. It's the fun time. Um, you know, we'll we'll enjoy it while we can. Uh, before we, I'm sure we'll start arguing about stupid stuff immediately on Twitter and social media because that's what we do. And we'll see where things go. Jeff Skinner, uh, you know where you're picking now. Honestly, I actually, improvement coach. A lot of things. Bring bring up Skinner. For all of the panic that happened over the uh, locker cleanout interviews, I actually yep. feel better listening to Skinner. He said he loves it. He said he likes the guys. He likes the yep. city. He's close to home. He be- and actually, you and I talked about this immediately after it happened. My guess is he's this close to free agency that if he really wants that eighth year, and if the rumor is true that Bottrell's really playing hardball with that eighth year, or he's trying to go five or six or whatever he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. That Skinner's plan is he goes basically to at least the uh, the negotiating, like the tampering, tampering period. Yeah. yeah, tampering yeah. period. Finds a team that'll give him seven for seven or seven for seven and a half, whatever, and comes back to Bottrell and says, okay, beat it. And then obviously it's in Bottrell's you know, court to either give him the eighth year or let him walk, which would be a huge mistake. So to me, it sounds like he wants to stay here. I think he's just kind of mad that they traded for him and now we're playing hardball at the same time, which yeah. I would understand, and right. especially with how the season went. Right. Uh, I would definitely want to take time to think about. Definitely. you know. But I, he even said, like, I, I like the young core and I like the direction of the team. So, like, every, every, he checked all the boxes except literally signing the paper. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's, to me, it sounds even more so that, the Sabres really are trying to play hardball and he's just not having it right now and says, okay, like I'm two months away from tampering. I'll just walk to tampering and make you battle it out with other teams. You want that, to do that. that but I mean, honestly, that's, a, that's, that's what I would do if I was him, to be honest, right? right? Yeah, why wouldn't I? Exactly. I think we're on the same page there. So quickly before the computer dies, I think we should touch on the playoffs ever so briefly. Uh, so I, I think we, we can kind of go here round by round and make our predictions very quickly. You don't spend a lot of time on it. So go for it. We'll start with the first one, Tampa Bay at Columbus. I have Tampa in five. Yeah, same. Okay. Bruins and Leafs. I've gone back and forth here a lot. This one's tough. Yep. I'm gonna go Leafs in seven. I think only reason I'm doing that is because Rask is struggling. That's why I'm gonna go there. Rask is struggling. See, so the Bergeron right line always shuts down the other opposing team's top line and so Matthews scores. or Tavares, yeah. But that's the thing. So the Leafs actually have two mm-hmm. really good lines now. 
it's so tough. It's it's basically who's going to hold up. Is it going to be Rask or is it going to be Toronto's defense? Yep. Um, I think it goes seven. I actually think it's going to be a really good series. Uh, I'm going to go just to be opposite you. I'll go Boston. Okay. Yeah, Bergeron, Marchand, Panera, Panera, Jesus, um, <laughs> Pasta, Lions yep. is, is just too good. Okay. Uh, Islanders and Carlo Penguins. Healthy too. Who is? Oh, Carlo. Carlo. Yeah, Carlo's healthy. That's important for them. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, Penguins and Islanders. I am going Penguins, and I'm being polite and going six. I think it could be less. I, I think the Islanders get exposed here. Uh, yeah, I think Leonard's not going to hold up to what he's been doing. What, like nine thirty? Yeah, which is insane. Um, yeah, I, I think it will probably uh, Penguins and six. Okay, I'm going to go a little off the wall with this next one. Capitals in Carolina. Uh, I'm going to go upset here. I'm going to go Carolina in seven. Mm, I think Caps in six. Okay. I, I think it's kind of the same thing. I, I know their underlying numbers are really good early on, uh, but they're still a young team, young coach. Uh, I mean, their goaltending is really nothing either, right? Who's Caps give up a that? lot of chances, though. Caps give, they don't have Kempney. That, that's, that's what I'm looking at here. I don't know. I still, I think... It's always the seasons where the Caps like not as good. Even they still won the division, but right, right. Um, I think they'll get through the first round. Okay, on to the Western Conference: St. Louis and Winnipeg. Again, I'm being nice here and picking St. Louis in six. I think Winnipeg's in trouble. Really? They're um, they've been <laughs> they're I the they goal differential been. has been a mess for like three months now. Like one of the worst in the league. They've struggled. I, I St. Louis, St. Louis is hot. Out. Binghamton is playing well. I, I like St. Louis in six. Can he hold up in the playoffs, though? I I'll know, go Winnipeg in seven. I, know. I think it's going to be a good series. Next one, Nashville and Dallas. Uh, I'm going to go Nashville there. I think it's Nashville in six. Uh, Maybe even five. Yep. I don't know. Depending what, how Bishop plays, but is Bishop going to hold up? Is he going to get hurt? Like, you know? Yeah, I, I think I think Nashville's been good. Rene's been Rene this year, so uh, I think it'll be fine. Subban's healthy, too. Yes, true. Yep, yep. <laughs> Uh, San Jose and Vegas. Uh, this is going to be maybe the best series in the first round. I am going to go Vegas in six. I think San San Jose was out of their minds and out of dress their goaltending, and they're going to pay for it in round one. My heart says San Jose, but <laughs> my head says Vegas. I can't believe they're doing this again, right? Like expansion team, Stanley Cup Finals, and now they're probably going to. I mean, make they got. It, they have a chance to make. They a had a Mark here. Stone, man. I mean, they got two pretty good lines there. I know. It's just been such a weird year for San Jose. I expected their, you know, the defense to just be better, and yeah. it just hasn't. And Jones yeah. has struggled too. Yeah. Um, I'll go San Jose in seven, but it's probably going to be Vegas in six. Okay, and the series I think potentially could be a sweep, but I'll go five games: Calgary, Calgary, and Colorado, Calgary in five. Yeah. I mean, Colorado is basically what the Sabres should have been, right? They basically have one really good line. Yeah. So, and Calgary can right. fill the net like nobody's business. So, uh, while I, I'm concerned about Mike Smith in goal, I was going to say, I think Calgary can shoot be, the lights out. It'll probably be more of a problem next year or next round. I yeah. Mean. Yeah. I uh, yeah. I'll probably go, I'll go Calgary in six. I'll give Colorado a little bit more credit because McKinnon's so good, but. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So there it is. Yeah. There's some there's some picks for you. Do you want to pick I a cup winner right now? Sure. A cup winner? Um, it's hard to go against Tampa. Uh, I'm there too. I'm going to go Tampa. It's been so good. My finalist was Tampa Bay and St. Louis. That there was, Those are my two. St. Louis? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go I'll go Nashville. Nashville-Tampa. It'll be an interesting final. 
Okay. I, I want to pick Calgary, but again, if, if they have anybody in that besides Mike Smith, I'd pick them. But I, I can't see Mike Smith dragging them. I mean, maybe even Riddich could get in there and maybe help them. But still, that goaltending situation scares me. Honestly, there's a lot of teams with some questionable goaltending. Yeah, and they're all in the West pretty much, which is kind of, yep. <laughs> just kind of crazy. It's going to be fun either way. It is. Playoff hockey is always fun in the NHL. So, I think that's it for us this week. We'll be back next week. Now, since we know we're picking, we'll probably need to get some draft experts on here to kind of tell us about these players. Mm-hmm. We'll kind of look to do that here in the next few weeks. And, yeah, I guess I'm assuming the next podcast will be talking about who the new head coach is, too, as well. So that'll be something to look forward to. So make sure you're interacting and following us on Twitter at BTB Hockey. Make sure you're subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, Stritcher, Spreaker, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Um, any comments, feedback you can give us would be greatly appreciated and helpful. And make sure you're following Die With a Blade, where you can find our podcasts and other excellent Sabres content as well. So, Bill, the coach is gone like we wanted. We are in full off-season mode. We know the Sabres are picking. And guess what? It's time to start to have the fun times now, right? Or the arguing, I guess you could say. I was going to say, <laughs> I don't know about the fun times. Maybe, yeah. I, I think it's the debating time is definitely coming. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how in Bothell goes. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the question. Does he just make one or two big moves? And then kind of tweaks the bottom six, or do we see, you know, more? Surgically, though, sounds more like makes a couple key moves and wings it. Post, I'm with you. are better. I'm with you. We'll see. It'll be fun. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. That's the right word. It'll be interesting. So we'll talk well, to you again next it's week. It's always, always interesting in Buffalo. We'll <laughs> talk to you next interesting? week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hanging up now. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. Yeah.